for our fun, weird, stupid cosplay at Dragon Con, we're going to be a tangle? Yeah. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> no, I'm not going to be a tangle. <laughs> <laughs> Do you I want to wanna. be a provider? Could be a provider. We'll follow you around. I think you that Ashley is a slave ship dropping dead bodies off as the, the back? provider. <laughs> No, I don't like these options. I would really <laughs> like to see this cosplay just for like the sheer absurd weirdness of it and to see if anyone knew what you were. Not one person, I promise. You know what, Eli? I'll do it with you just because that means I get to make a fucking absurd headpiece. <laughs> like some sort of weird I'm I'm say I'm picturing like some sort of weird like Mardi Gras carnival, like Brazilian feather ruffle rough thingy. I think you need at least know, three serpents it. for a tangle. Malkin's yeah. tangle. <laughs> Is there a saying like it takes three to tangle? <laughs> I was thinking about that. You know what? There is now. <laughs> oh, so bad. Welcome to Buckkeep Radio. We're coming to you from inside the walls. This is episode 24, Ship of Magic, chapters 26 through 30, and I'm Rachel, a rereader. I'm Alyssa, a rereader. I'm Jenny, and I'm a re- and I'm a new reader. Wow, go me. <laughs> Don't be like me. I I, I'm Eli, and I'm a new reader. I'm Elena, I'm a new reader. And I'm Ashley, and I'm a new reader. All right, first up, corrections, omissions, and announcements. I wanted to give a shout out to Yetta, and Joey wants us to assure you and all the listeners that he really does have no idea what is going on. He doesn't. Um, He really doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) I I made a tangle joke earlier before I uh, came in here to set up, and he was like, what? What does that mean? And I said, I'm not telling you. You have to read the books, which he's not going to do. He's probably like, (laughs) is Malta in a tangle? And then that's just terrible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what a loser <laughs> not reading me uh well you know he's just he's just you know he's a fit stan and i respect that so uh next week's episode is going to be our last for ship of magic so it was also going to be our like post emerald city comic-con recording but alas Sad. The blood so, plague has come and screwed us over. <laughs> yes. Uh, so to, to to cheer us up, send us your your questions, your cues, your your comments, anything you want us to address on air, preferably not too spoilery, so that I can share it with everyone for an end of book spoilers slash not spoiler discussion <laughs> section for next week. All right. We've got no content warnings for this section. Hooray. It's really great. I mean, I, I don't I don't have a tangle uh, or like a serpent warning or anything like that. Um, you should. I should, but I, I don't have that. Maybe we should. Well, maybe we'll try that for the next book. I think that's wise. Should we call it the serpent siren? And then we have to decide what a serpent sounds like. <laughs> I think it probably sounds like, <laughs> like, like. You know, I hate the serpents, but they're like good for the memes. Slash jokes. Is that a serpent? Yeah. <laughs> oh. 
This is excellent radio. (laughs) (laughs) All right. ASMR coming to you. I actually have ASMR, and it really annoys me when people are like, oh, whispering, ASMR. That's not how it works. It has to be a dignified, beautiful voice to trigger my ASMR. Sorry, Hmm. none of us. Are you saying we don't have dignified, beautiful voices? (laughs) (laughs) Well, she's simply saying not all of us have dignified, beautiful voices. Actually, the first time I heard Alyssa's recording, it triggered mine. Oh. Oh, Alyssa gets a medal then. Right. She's the winner. (laughs) Congratulations. All right, shall we get, let's get going. Let's get into the water. Uh, Chapter 26 is mine. It's called Gifts. This chapter opens with Amber and Paragon on the beach. Amber is explaining everything that she is doing and seeing in great detail for Paragon. And Paragon isn't enjoying himself. You know, he's, she gives him a gift. It's a necklace of Paragon-sized beads, wooden beads that she carved. And there's a dolphin and a gull and a sea star and a crab and a halibut. Don't know why halibut, but there's a halibut. How does he so know all it's very... a solid fish? <laughs> hmm? I said it's just a good solid fish. Oh, okay. The it's trusty flat. halibut, yeah. How do you how do you put a hole through the halibut? Anyway, um, all all very detailed, but Amber's curiosity about Paragon, like, can you move all your wood? How do you get your color? It kind of sets him off. So he throws the necklace across the beach. And he accuses Amber of wanting to help Mingsley cut him into pieces. But Amber explains that she actually is interested in him and not just for his wizard wood. So they make up and Amber gathers the beads back together. She says, sometimes you speak and I hear the wisdom of generations in your words. Other times, without warning, you are a spoiled 10-year-old. And Amber and Paragon continue their talk while she repairs this necklace. So cut to Ronica and Kefria discussing their dwindling finances. They've had to lay off or half pay some of their servants, and they've also sold all of their jewelry and all of their more expensive possessions. And Ronica explains that she doesn't want to sell the lands that she holds, not yet, because the new traders really want it, but it's actually like real equity, and it's, it's not something that they can get back or buy more of because land is finite. So she thinks that they can hold out until Vivacia and her slave profits get back. And she also tells Kefria that she has gathered the gold needed to make the next payment on the Vivacia, but that after that, they're flat broke. Um, talk turns to the political situation with the satraps' taxes. Ronica thinks that the traders, including the Rainwild traders, will hold fast against any of the satraps' demands, but Kefria isn't so sure, and she certainly isn't feeling disposed towards the Rainwild traders because of Malta. So Ronica reminds Kefria that if Malta were to go to the Rainwild, she wouldn't be a slave, you know, quite the opposite. No one is held there against their will, and many that go there actually really prefer it. Sure. So (laughs) this conversation isn't done, but it's time to talk about Kyle. So Ronica declares Kyle would be a disaster of the Rainwild should he try to trade there with Vivacia. Um, because he just doesn't get the trader ways. But Kefria defends Kyle by saying that Efron didn't like the Rainwild traders and their deals either. Ronica points out that the deal is older than Efron, and we learn more about the blood plague. Uh, but their conversation is interrupted by a faint gong. So Ronica <laughs> catches Malta dropping some eaves, and they find a package outside. It's a box. Malta has no clue, but Ronica knows it's a courting gift. What did you do, Malta? 
It's actually a dream box from the Kuprus family. And Malta is in trouble. But Malta only cares that she got a magical gift. Kefria wins a battle of wills with her mother and takes possession of the box with the intent to return it with full apologies for whatever Malta did to encourage it when she's clearly too young to be courting. Malta ends up admitting that she talked to a Rainwild guy and it's probably from him. <laughs> so later she steals the box from her mother's room real easy and she opens it and she enters the dream and she reenacts the beginning of some kind of YA romance with like hooded <laughs> men who are carrying her in a burlap sack. Uh, and that kind of goes on for a while and then they kind of stare at each other like Tarzan and Jane and then inexplicably he takes her to dinner <laughs> and there she sees his face. He has a little blonde mustache and brown eyes and then they have a very PG kiss at which point a dream voice wells up like a narrator you have a warm nature malta very warm even if your ideas of courtship <laughs> hark back to the most ancient custom of abduction i think we shall dance well together you and i <laughs> what is you sound like mother agra him? from the dark Christian. <laughs> <laughs> it's creepy is what it is that's, that is that's, that's that what is I was really going crazy for. though like like, he abducts her in the dream, and he's, like, carrying her in a burlap sack. And and then at the end, it makes it sound like the dream is what she wanted. Like, it's, like, based on That was her fantasy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Malta yeah, wants it's... to be a wildling, and she wants to, like, you know, get stolen. Yeah. <laughs> These yeah. are the fairy tales she's been reading and thinks that it's romantic. Also, the, whoever this guy is that she's kissing looks like her dad. Ooh, rough. That's well, concerning. Do we think that's actually what he looks like? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I didn't really pay too much attention to the way they described him in the dream, honestly. Well, if she's I mean, the only thing I was like really it. paying attention to was. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I was really paying attention to is that he wasn't like jacked up, you know, scaly face, really. Um, yeah, did yeah. he? Ha- he didn't have any scales or like wobbly fat or <laughs> no wobbly bits. Ooh, describe no it wobbly more. bits. No, no scales. Interesting. No yeah, he was a fine young man with no need to hide his face yeah. and the little mustache. He might have needed to hide that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm just mad just that there isn't mustache. a gong that announces my entrance when I go to and from places. <laughs> you need to carry a gong, I mean, obviously. I really have control of that, Ashley. <laughs> I can't do it for myself. You could reprogram your uh, your ding dong. Your, what's it called? My ding dong? I don't have a pain. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Doorbell? Yeah, that. My doorbell. Oh, man. Currently, my doorbell plays a very, very, very loud, very long version of uh, Amazing Grace. (laughs) It has like 45 songs on it, so I can probably, I'll I'll go through and try to find something a little more appropriate. Like a gong. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, what do we think about Amber and Paragon's little date? I thought it was Good really Friday. sweet. Um, I like that she made him the necklace. And that she made it to scale for him so it didn't look too teeny tiny on him. Because otherwise it would have been like, what do you wear? A bracelet. 
<laughs> I seriously just had to think of the word for bracelet. <laughs> like the thing on the wrist. <laughs> well, you know, we're having trouble with words tonight. Yeah. This bracelet. Yeah. Jingle, jingle. My charm bracelet. Charm bracelet. Where'd you get that? Nice. Is it made of wood? He did. It did seem like sort of um, odd how he he reacted to it. Like she said that he acted like a kid, and he did kind of act like a kid for a while in this chapter. He yeah, he threw the he threw the necklace, and he was yeah he was like kind of pouty for a while. It was yeah he's he's a little bit of a princess. Well, and when she's mm-hmm. like, he's like, oh, well, I mean, are you going to give it back to me? Like, can I have it? She's like, well, I didn't think you wanted it. And he's like, well, yeah, I want it. It's very, <laughs> I feel very like childlike. Walter and Paragon should meet. No. No. <laughs> They're too similar. They wouldn't get along. I think it'd be hilarious. I feel like Kefria slash Ronica and Amber should meet, and Amber can... <laughs> Give them some pointers on handling conflicts with a child. Yeah. I.e. it's the adult's responsibility to be calm and rational and to like <laughs> reach a hand out and say, you are still welcome in this relationship. That is never the child's responsibility. And are they also supposed Amber to give her gifts? This. Malta got a gift. Well. True. But Malta I, I think... is like the, uh, the crossroads of never being disciplined and also being smarter than your parents. Right. <laughs> like, and that's the problem is she thinks that she is so much smarter than them. And then they just don't like, they're never going to get ahead of that. But also she is smarter than them because her stupid fucking mom put that fucking box in her little closet cubby hole. Like this little bitch didn't know where it was hidden. And then it's like, golly jeepers. What happened? Did you guys not know exactly where your Christmas presents were every year? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. In the closet by the fireplace. Yeah. I knew exactly what all of my Christmas presents were every year. Santa brings them. What are you talking about? Rachel, there's no six-year-olds reading these books. <laughs> <laughs> or listening to this podcast. Not even mine. Spoilers. Santa's not real. Um, I want to go back to that conversation that Amber had with Paragon and back to what Elena said about, like, tips for talking to kids because I really – I think that's uh, – astute of you because the way that they speak to Malta versus the way that Amber speaks to Paragon while Paragon's having a fit and like granted I think people are more just afraid of Paragon because he's big and strong but mm-hmm. and they're not afraid of Malta because she's just a little brat but the fact that like she immediately like asks him questions and then tells him why she's upsetting him Versus Malta always is always just told like this isn't how you should act. Yeah, you know it's like a it's like a door instead of a conversation. Uh, yeah, I mean this is this is actually something I wanted to bring up in the other chapter that relates to Malta, which is my summary. But we can talk about it now since you brought it up. But yeah, like the the part of the reason that Malta is behaving the way she is, I mean, she goes in into her self justification of her behavior later where she's like, well, if they hadn't come at me like so accusatory and like, if they had thought for a second that maybe I didn't do it, I could have been honest. And like, she's basically, I mean, she's, she's justifying what she did, but at the same time, she's also saying that like, basically she wasn't 
she didn't feel safe to have made a mistake with them because the only way that they are dealing with her right now is to criticize her and tell her all the ways that she's not good enough. And that makes you feel defensive. It makes you feel unwanted. It makes you feel disconnected. It does not make you feel trust in those adults. It does not make you like empathetic to their perspective. It does not make you want to listen to what they have to say. And it's like, um, I don't know, maybe it's like newfangled parenting, you know, to, to sort of take that perspective, but it also is effective parenting to understand that like you have to reestablish connection before you start to discipline or else you're going to just drive your kid further away. And Veronica and Kefria have zero concept of that. And that's why Malta keeps going further and further astray and getting more and more disconnected from them and harder for them to reach. Mm -hmm. Because they don't explain to her really what the box is and why it's not appropriate. They're just like, it's bad. It's, you know, a courting gift. But they don't explain, Mm -hmm. like, this means that, like, he's trying to court you and you will be, like, you know... Well, they still haven't explained that whole thing to her. Like, they just kept her in the dark about so much. It's like... Yeah. Mm -hmm. They haven't really explained men to her. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I mean. They just (laughs) haven't... Right, for her, Malta's like, what do you mean? Of course I should be courted. Men should tell me I'm pretty and give me things. That's okay. Why are you saying no? Fuck yeah. Because that's what she thinks it's about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, of course, that goes back to her dream, where her, like, her idea of sex is running around in the woods and then staring at each other across dinner. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's some deep passion, but Hey, he's hey, into Mr. it. Mr. Yeah. Mr. Narrator is into that. <laughs> I, um, you when I was listening well together, you and I, I was listening to our recording from this past week and Eli, something Eli said about, um, when Ronica points out to, um, who was it, Sirwin, that, like, oh, he was a dumb child who found a shiny object and liked it, and, like, she wouldn't fault him for that. And, you know, it's exactly what happened to Malta. She saw a shiny flame object, took a scarf, threw, gave her glass to the guy, and started all this thing. And it's like, you know, Ronica would never be that well-tempered with her when it comes down to it. They just, mm-hmm. like, it really, she, like, they are stacked up against her, and it's not fair. It's like she's a yeah. little bitch, but she's a little kid. Yeah, like what it, what it reminds me of is like, like the way they discipline Malta is like if you were to try to discipline a cat, <laughs> like the cat doesn't understand what you're doing to it because <laughs> you're not ex- you're not explaining to Malta anything that you're doing. So it's like the same thing as like trying to discipline a cat that doesn't have any fucking understanding of why. Why it's being in squirted with so a squirt bottle? Fucking continues <laughs> to do whatever the fuck it wants because why does it matter? I don't know if Amber's technique would work on the cats. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, not explaining. Obviously, Malta has the understanding to be able to comprehend if you tell her why. Right, yeah, but they don't even bother. They're just like, "Hey, you're shut up. You're in the way. Be quiet." Why yeah, that only this? teaches her to do it without their knowledge. It doesn't exactly. Teach her to stop. Yeah, yeah. It teaches her to go behind their back and steal the box and experience the dream. Hmm. 
Shall we move on to the next chapter? Sure. Yeah. Uh, chapter 27 is called Prisoners. So the chapter opens with Wintrow, shackled in a makeshift slave shanty with leg irons around his ankles, only one day away from being sold into slavery. And it was just, you know, it's just a real Wintrow-y kind of mood <laughs> moment. <laughs> like, God damn it, Wintrow. Um, Wintrow was told that he had four days for someone to come and claim him before he'd be sold into slavery. He asked to send word to the priests of Sa's temple, and he was basically laughed at because what the hell do priests care about civil affairs? So then, being the stubborn teenage idiot that he is, he decides not to send a note to his father <laughs> and to just kind of like, let's just like see how this plays out. Maybe it could be a little fun. Maybe get things get a little crazy. Um, so, you know, what's harder? A, sucking up to your dad, being a free man, and potentially escaping again in the future, which is like, meh. Or B, being sold into slavery and getting a sweet face tat and then trying to escape to the monastery. So he's like, yeah, let's just go for B. Why not? And I am just like, stop it, Wintro. Stop being so dumb. Please, for the love of Saw, like just fucking pull it together. Um, anyways, Torg is out shopping around for slaves and he happens upon Wintro. And he's baffled by the accusation that Wintro killed a slave. Um, he declines an offer to send a runner with a message to Kyle and instead says that he'll let him know himself, but not after asking a lot of questions about what happens to Wintrow if he goes to auction. So Wintrow goes to sleep thinking that maybe he'd been a foolish fool after all. <laughs> no way. Um, yeah, right? <laughs> How does this all pan out for you? I just can't understand it. So we bounce over to Kennet who is none too pleased about having only one and a half legs. He's pissed that Etta <laughs> chopped off his leg and he doesn't understand why she did it. And his charm bracelet replies to save you, you stupid turd to which Kenny replies. I find that hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> we learned that while Etta gave his leg a nice clean chop, that the serpent mangled and uh, melted his flesh pretty badly. It's looking a little funky underneath those bandages. Kenneth wants to get cleaned up so he can interrogate the prisoners that he told his crew to keep, but he finds out that there is only one. He learns the ship they captured was carrying some regular slaves and then also some cool platinum level musicians and dancer slaves, <laughs> plus some jewels and what I quote as sparklies. <laughs> I like when you use that word. They had some sparklies, cloth lace, and some brandy. Um, they're currently at anchor by Bull Creek to make some repairs on the ship that they caught. This is Syria because she was taking on water. Wait, what was that ship's name? Did I say that right? Cisterna? Cesaria? I can't remember now. Anyways. Um, but plus Bull Creek has fallen victim to slavers a few times. And so Kennet is going to be what I'm now dubbing the slavier, the savior of slaves. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's going to be pretty well received there. So Kennet was wanting to get cleaned up. Etta tries to help him. He's being really rude and mean to her. And finally, the charm bracelet speaks on his behalf to Etta, saying that he's rude and just to ignore him. So the charm is now like openly talking to Edo while Kenneth is very much aware that he's talking to Edda. Um, Edda confesses that there were three prisoners originally, but guess who else in this book may have some anger issues because now there's only one. 
<laughs> Kenneth is annoyed that he couldn't interrogate the other prisoners, but Etta claims that she got all the info there was to get from them, mostly that the live ship Vivacia of the Haven family was getting slaves and headed to Chalced. Kenneth is suspect of this information. Um, at this point, they hear music from the deck floating into the room, and it's from Kistris to his mistress. And Kenneth's all like, oh, what a great song. Have you ever heard this song, Etta? And Etta's all like, duh, yeah, I have. Winky wink. And um, at that point, the lone prisoner is brought in for questioning, and it turns out that Etta fucked him up really bad, you guys. She <laughs> gouged out his eyes, and he's, like, crying. And it's like, please don't. Just leave me alone. So... Um, Kenneth comes to terms with the info that they've gotten and he's actually kind of glad that he doesn't have to interrogate anybody else that day because he's in pain and he's tired. And then he demands that Etta lay next to him naked and he falls asleep. He's the worst patient ever. He's, I mean, he's... Yeah. <laughs> um, Wintro. I just yeah. don't even? understand... <laughs> Like I mean, like this is slavery. Dumb, he never got himself sold into slavery, right? <laughs> just I mean, to be he got like killed, but like you know, and just like spite himself, like just fucking go send a note to your dad and get out. This is slavery. If nothing else, he doesn't want to get tattooed, and but he's like, well, you know, I'll, I'll take the gamble. Like, let's see how this all plays out. I'm like, oh. and then Torg is not going to help him. <laughs> He, he he also that. didn't take into consideration that maybe his dad could get all the slaves he needed in a few days and be gone. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah. I've got really time. I've, I'm not going to be a slave for a few days. I can just hang out here and not worry about it. And, oh. and he also needs to stop thinking that the priests of Saw are going to save him. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is like how Malta doesn't understand sex. Like, Wintrow doesn't also doesn't really seem to understand the realities of slavery, despite witnessing it. He the realities know. of slavery, the realities of religion and politics, like none of it. Yeah. <laughs> the realities like, of oh, the it world. Can't to me. Well, he keeps looking at I'll the slaves, sick. and he's like, "They're different than me." Yeah, I know. Yeah, but it's like yeah. they're. It's the same. It's the same thing. It's exactly the and same thing. Like that, that can't happen to me because I didn't make their poor choice. Yeah, because he's like, oh, clearly they, they brought this on themselves. I'm like, you brought this on yourself because you're an idiot right now. For sure. But also they didn't bring it on themselves no. because they were probably kidnapped or sold into some slavery to appease someone else's debt or, you know. Even though Wintro was dead because of things out of their control, Win right, Wintro right. got into his position for like a ludicrous reason. Like, why wouldn't anyone else be there for the same kind of shit? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone else deserves to be here except for me. I I don't. It was an accident. <laughs> oh, Wintro. And like Torg just sucks. Torg is got yeah. that low cunning. Yeah. He's like, oh, this will be funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the first thing he says yeah, is like, oh, this is going to be a good bonus for me. Like, he just sees it as an opportunity to fuck with him and also get some extra money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, the second Torg saw him, like, the outcome that he goes back to Vivacia was a foregone conclusion. So at that point, like, like I could almost understand his sort of decision paralysis and, like, not being able to make to make the choice to, like, basically bring himself to swallow his pride and back down from his, like, I'm going to be my own man position. Um, but uh, at the point where Torg has seen him, the outcome is, it's a foregone conclusion. So then your choice is, like, do I do it with a fucking face tattoo that makes me <laughs> a slave for the rest of my life, at least in certain political areas, or you know do i do it as a free man and like even then he's like eh, i'll leave it up to torg where the fuck would you ever leave yeah. it up to torg torg's gonna be like i'm gonna find you the ugliest tattoo shop i could possibly get for you let's do this mm-hmm. but also like that shit is on your face guy like let's say you don't want to be a pirate forever or a sailor forever like you gotta you gotta go, like, just go back to town and be like, I'm not a slave. Don't treat me like a slave. I know that I have this slave tattoo. <laughs> yeah. That's a serious hindrance for, you know, acclimating anywhere. And then he also hears, mm-hmm. like, the whole spiel of what's gonna happen to him if he gets sold. Then he's gonna get a second tattoo. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, because if he becomes the satraps, then he'll immediately be sold again. So it's like, they got two. Now, yeah. now you got a problem. <sighs> Meanwhile, wh- wh- who's the rapper Post Malone? <laughs> is he a rapper? Post Malone is a map face. Is he a rapper? No, he's know. not a rapper. He's a singer. He's got a rapping name. No, he's just a singer. Okay. I don't know anything about Post Malone. You're stigmatizing him for his face tattoos, Rachel. <laughs> for his map face. <laughs> Again, this is what happens when you have face tattoos. You're already going up a hill, right? Mm-hmm. I don't even know what you're talking about at this point. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> Post Malone is a white male musician who has a billion tattoos, and a lot of them are on his face and neck. It's kind of terrible. They're yeah, n- they, they're like really bad tattoos. Yeah, they're, they're bad. Not, they're mean, like prison-style like tattoos. Art. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like ballpoint pen style. Yeah. They ugly. <laughs> anyway, if he was like in a suit trying to get like a lawyer job or something or bank teller or whatever, some kind of respectable white bank collar teller. wintro wintro you know job. Yeah, because like happen. so if wintro had a tattoo, let's say he only got the the satrap tattoo on his face and then his dad did right end up freeing him and then somehow he ends his way back to the monastery would they let him be a priest if he had a tattoo on his face no because if you only have the satraps tattoo you're like the satraps prostitute right right so why would he even put himself in the position of having that one tattoo on his face because he's dumb dumb he's a moron He's so dumb. Because <laughs> he's refusing to accept the reality of the situation. Yeah. Someone tells him that to his face at some point, too, and he also refuses to believe that, so. Oh, intro. He's a mess. You know, he's just. It's like when you're in school and they're like, hey, someday you need to get a job, and you're like, eh, do I though? And then, you know, 
It's just like reality's hard to confront when it's not. Have you ever seen the? Uh, when it's not stabbing you in the, the face. Eddie Murphy movie Trading Places. Yes, yes, of course I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. This is what it reminds me of. It's just. That's what the story needs—a good old-fashioned body swap. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, we swap in see movies. Intro, though. Who would switch with uh, Vivacia, Obviously. <laughs> Because then we can yeah, get I'm the just, 80s, like, honestly, you know, so fondling your own breast thing. In you know? a, in... What? Rachel's <laughs> just going to keep talking. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. I was just so disappointed in Wintro's, like, lack of empathy. Um, because that's, it's not one of the things that, like, they are supposedly training him for <laughs> in the priesthood to actually, like be able to understand other you, perspectives. Have you been and, like, alive in the real world? This is what, you this know, is exactly at it, what it's And then like, like he, this is, this is, this well, is. Well, I'm just saying like he, he gets in, he gets to this situation and he's like utterly unable, like utterly incapable of understanding anyone else's, like how they might have gotten there, which kind of shows that whatever, training he had was very shallow and he didn't actually understand it on an emotional level like that whole walk in someone else's shoes thing was like it was a parlor trick to him it wasn't right real. it's the the I high, related the high to horse him, religious attitude it's what it is yeah i think he understands the theory of it i just don't think he really gets it right right yeah, yeah. Alyssa, why did you why did you relate when the slaves stopped him and said, can you do a little miracle for us? All I could think of was when like people stopped me on the street and they asked me what time it is. And I'm like, is this a trick? Do you, do you really need the time? So in that, I identified with Windrow. It's more, it's more like when they stopped me and asked me for directions. And I'm like, I don't know why you would be asking me for directions. I have a terrible sense of direction, but I guess I can help you. <laughs> And then you like, that, get it totally wrong. When people wrong. ask me for directions, I just very confidently point in a random direction and tell them it's that way. <laughs> Rachel has never been not competent looking ever. I'm always like, yeah, it's down there, three blocks, and you take a left. And they're like, thanks. And I'm like, you're welcome. You're the element of chaos New York really needs. <laughs> you know what? Maybe they'll find something cool. And better than whatever the fuck they were going to do. <laughs> Maybe they'll find a one-legged pirate who is the worst patient ever. Mm. Next chapter. Are we going to talk What's about Kenneth stuff? We didn't oh, talk about Kenneth at all. Is it my turn? <laughs> I know. Is it my turn? Well, we I don't want to. No we can one... talk about Kenneth. <laughs> should we talk about Edda? Oh, I we think we should yeah, at least we didn't talk, talk about, about the fact that all. the charm is being so... Uh, <laughs> What's the word I'm looking for? Charming? Charming? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Out there. Like, yeah. he gives zero fucks. He's like, fuck this shit. Like, I'm going to say what I'm going to say, and nobody's going to stop me. And it's like, okay, well. And Etta, why would Etta think that a voice that sounds just like Kenneth was coming from not Kenneth, but a charm on his wrist? So, of course, she thinks that it's right. him talking. Except for the fact that he's speaking in the third person, and she's like, ah, oh, yes, you mean the other Captain Kenneth, not the one that I know. 
Well, but part of becoming a king is you start to refer to yourself in the third person. So. Of course. Well, it, I felt like it, like he was pointing out like the the persona, like Captain Kennet has to be a dick, but like Kennet, who's here with you in bed, I don't have to be yeah. a dick. Not with you. Oh, and this is definitely how she took it. I'm having trouble believing that little wrist Kenneth doesn't have a tiny squeaky voice. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, does that sound tiny a little, Scott? My favorite part is, is when Kenneth covers his mouth and he bites him. And it bites him. <laughs> <laughs> and this is just reinforcing well, my puppet master theory. Yeah, and he, doesn't, ah. you know, he doesn't give him away. He can't give him away. He's a, he's a little puppet. He's a little little face on his wrist he can't give him away he could chuck him into the ocean <laughs> feed him exactly. to a serpent yeah. along with the rest get rid of his, of his million dollar little uh. bracelet he can't do it million dollar <laughs> <laughs> he killed so, for that bracelet i think that i think what the charm has decided is that real kenneth sucks real bad and the charm's like fuck this i don't want to be an asshole i'm gonna take control of this situation and like force him to be not an asshole so what do you think? Because I don't want to what be do asshole. you think of our listener uh, listener mail from Yetta that postulates that? And I think Eli has said something similar in a couple a couple episodes ago that the charm the charm seems to know or, or understand more than what it's letting on. Uh, definitely, the charm. Well, I think the charm is, like, freed from any emotional attachment to anything in the situation, and therefore it can actually see things with a lot more clarity. I don't know whether it's actually, like, in a sort of metaphysical sense, seeing beyond so much as, like, it's seeing with a sight that isn't purely human, and so it's not bound by human limitations. I like when he's just, when the charm is just, like, your leg is, like... Gone. <laughs> First of all, it's gone. Second, it's rotting away. And um... I think it's a hundred percent probable that it, it is just smarter than Kenneth and can see what's going on around, and is adapting to the situation much better than Kenneth is. But there's a part of me that thinks that it's like, uh, you know, it's a it has some level of omniscience greater than you know, the normal person or luck or whatever, you know, whatever you want to call the, the magic of the, the story, but definitely the, far greater than what, it, what Kenneth has. Well, cause he's like, you know, Kenneth's like blaming Etta for chopping off his leg and the charm was like, you moron, she saved your life. I mean, that could be, that could be chalked yeah, up but- to like common sense, right? Well, yeah, no, I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm just saying the charm is smarter than Kenneth. Yes. <laughs> Evidence. Kenneth doesn't really have common sense because, like, his viewpoint on everything is just, like, completely skewed and doesn't, he doesn't yeah, understand, he's... like, people having normal reactions to things. Like, of course, if she's cutting my leg off, it's because she's in league with Sorcor and they're trying to screw me over and clearly this means they need to die now. Whereas it's just like, no, she's she likes you and she wanted to save you from the serpent. Kenneth is just so ego-driven, and I feel like the <laughs> yeah. charm bracelet is not. And so that's he has, he has that clarity <laughs> just because he does not have the ego of big Kenneth. Right, like, Kenneth is like, it's like you threw yourself overboard and were hanging from a falling, you know, like, I don't know what that was, like, lifeboat or something, and, and about to be eaten by a serpent. 
that is what you got yourself into that situation and Etta saved you. But for Kenneth, he's like, no, that would never have happened. Like, I would have <laughs> yeah. been fine if none of you had interfered. Yes. <laughs> like, that is just some, like, okay. Well, he can't, sure, he can't I'll, believe I'll do it again. that his luck could fail unless something, like, catastrophic happened. Like, he has to, he has to like, burn his tattoo off to make the luck but doesn't he say yeah. that the, that his luck and the charm are the same thing, and yet the charm is like, that wasn't lucky. That's not the luck. Like, Edda saved you. It's yeah. Like, listen to your lucky it's charm. The, it's the logic of a here. wacko. Like, he's just... Yeah. Yeah, he's not... It was luck that you... It was luck you brought her on board, which allowed her to be there mm-hmm. to save you. Yeah. Inexplicably. The charm just wakes up every morning and sighs and looks in the mirror yeah. and is like, ah, yes, this is still me. <laughs> I'm still attached to this guy. I still have his face. <laughs> if you wore Damn. it, like if, if someone else took it, would he, would the charm's face change? No, he's carved. He was carved to look like Kenna. He didn't like magically become... Kenneth, you know. He's got Kenneth's voice. What if you stuck the charm on somebody else? What would happen? Would it not work anymore? That's what I just said. Eli, how much of that fucking beer have you drank? If if Edda wore it, would it speak with Edda's voice? I think that it would just still be a piece of shit. That's what it would be. (laughs) (laughs) I don't necessarily think the charm is a piece of shit, but I do think he's creepy. Oh, creep factor. It's got a very high creep factor. That little tiny mouth biting. That's creepy. <laughs> that piece of shit is my favorite character in the show. Yetta, how dare you call it evil? Show. It's the best. It's definitely evil. Like I don't know about that. But it's mocking Kenneth, and so therefore I. I think Kenneth's more evil than that it, charm. It came from like the dark arts, though, so I don't think it could not Mer, be. Evil. Dark arts. I mean, I don't think it's any darker than Paragon or lives or like any of the live ships. Well, but I I don't know. I just yeah. think that like the intent of like what it was going to be used for. makes it dark like it was going I felt like the intent was there that this thing was going to give him the luck and the manipulation to like get what he wants from like a a greed kind of standpoint and that made it I guess one could say that about being a traitor Mm -hmm. but so do you think that the charm is bound to its intent to give Kenneth some sort of luck or do you think it's just its, its, its own its own thing. I kind of was, I I mean, I've kind of had that in my head when we're reading about it, that yeah, like whether he's, whether that little charm likes it, that's his lot in life or not, but like that's what his It does, it does sort of seem was. like that, like it doesn't like Kenneth at all, but it's forced to help him. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, who really yeah. likes Kenneth? Edda. Edda. <laughs> And, for. <laughs> and, like, and, and they really like And I, I want to close out this chapter with uh, Yetta's hashtag free, free uh, Etta. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Etta doesn't want to be freed, though. Yeah, well, we're the readers. We know, we know what's best. 
<laughs> we know she deserves better. Speaking of some dark shit, let's, Eli, t- take us into chapter 20. All right. Chapter 28, Vicissitudes. So, against all odds, Torg somehow did not come back for Wintrow. The boy <laughs> finds himself in front of a slave tattooist. His head is in a vice. Wintrow recites some scripture about how his body is a temple, and you just, you don't draw on it. With a tattooist, a slave himself comes <laughs> at, back with a zinger, and he's like, hey, uh, my dad didn't tattoo my own face. And so Wintrow becomes uh, the satrap's property. Satrap? Satrap? Uh, I say satrap. Whatever moves you. How did you read it? Yeah, it's okay. We won't believe I think, you. I think the, the audio book. The audio book is Satrap. Oh. I say Satrap. Hmm. <laughs> I'm all messed up. <laughs> anyway, afterwards, Wintro is brought to a pen for new slaves. Or like, you know, like a coop. <laughs> and he notes that even though these people are new to slavery, already they are in a defeated state. state. And he is... Um, He's not accepting of his own fate. Wintrow maintains his somewhat elitist position and does not consider himself to be one with the other slaves. Back in the harbor, Vivacia is distraught at the absence of Wintrow, as well as the presence of many nearby serpents hiding in the muck below. Gantry tries to calm her, and um, she's been rocking back and forth, and everybody is freaked out. A couple of sailors have quit. So Vivacia tries to explain that she's upset because, uh, you know, there's serpents out there, but she's also having trouble gathering her thoughts. And you, you feel like her, uh, her consciousness is unraveling a little bit. Uh, Gantry doesn't seem to believe much of what she's saying. And um, Vivacia has a bad feeling about the trip that they're about to take on. And she warns Gantry that if he wants to live, he should just leave. <laughs> get off of her cool. which is <laughs> pretty <laughs> ominous <laughs> if we're talking about foreshadowing this is pretty fucking ominous foreshadowing anyway back on our fave ship back with our fave ship's boy Athia Al- Althea not Ath or Athel uh, Althea is schmoozing with uh, Kinraya the captain of the life ship Ophelia Kinraya doesn't recognize Althea uh, despite the fact that they were both prominent Big Town Trader family people and they have uh, crossed paths before, Althea danced with his son at a, at a party once. <laughs> Can I just stop you for a second? Yeah. What are you saying? What is the name you're saying? <laughs> Tenraya, Althea, or Althea? Tanira? Tanira. Tanira? Yeah. Tenraya? Hmm. Only because oh, that's uh, so hmm. off, no one will know what you're saying. So sorry about that. You typed it right. Anyway, <laughs> this is what I wrote it down after listening to the audiobook. They Tanira, well, you wrote it down in a more Tanira. phonetical way. You're just mispronouncing what you wrote. Tanira? Tanira. No. You wrote the okay, R after the Y. It's fine. It's fine. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to derail you. This much. Uh. 
So anyway, Althea offers to be a ship's boy on the Ophelia free of wages in order to get back to Vingtown. Althea convinces the captain and eventually she will be back on a live ship. All signs point to Tanira. How did I write this? Tanira? Tanira? Tanria? Tanira is a good captain. And Ophelia seems like a very interesting and vivacious live ship. (laughs) Anyway, uh, in contrast to Althea, Brashen is interviewing for mate on what appears to be a ship that trades in stolen goods in the Pirate Isles. It's called Mm -hmm. The Spring Eve. In an amazing display of hungover haggling (laughs) and irritable Brashen does every fucking thing wrong during the interview. He's several days without food, a bed, or a shower. He's hungover. He's really shitty. And he tells the interviewer to fuck off. (laughs) Anyway, he gets the job. And he gets a pay raise. Yeah, also. That, sounds, that sounds right. <laughs> Afterwards, Brashen stops to grab his bag of drugs from behind a bush, and he <laughs> whistling as he goes. He wonders if anyone remembers him in the Pirate Isles, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I don't know if you did. Whatever. Anyway, He's a bad back boy. with Baby Cinnamon Boy Wintro, he continues to contemplate, contemplate how he's not a slave. <laughs> Despite his satrap tattoo, not a slave Witro is bought, brought to the slave auction. He notes that it smells like beer and meat. <laughs> not so, bad. Not bad. Wintro asks quest- is asked questions about his age and his skills. No one believes that he can make stained glass. I don't know why. It's no really one believes hard. that he can read. No one believes that he can write. So, um, anyway... The auction begins um, with slave jokes. Real funny. We love to see it. (laughs) During the auction, Wintro sees his dad and he shouts to him. Kyle makes some shrewd bids and he happens to get his son for way less than it would have cost to buy him for just, you know, killing a slave. He gets a real, real bargain. After his rescue... (laughs) Torg brings Witro back to the tattooist and marks him with the symbol of the Vevesha. He is the first slave to be owned by a live ship. Congratulations, sure Wintro. So I like that he that. starts yeah. with like the worst bid ever. Yeah, it was like, like three like, nose what, hairs like, and an apple bar. Like shards or something. <laughs> <laughs> three shards. <laughs> and even the auctioneer is like, I like- oh, that's really low. Must <laughs> really pissed off your dad, kid. Sorry about that. I like that. Similar to Game of Thrones, they have uh, a form of currency that is like a fraction of a penny. Yeah, <laughs> I'll buy him for half a grit. Do you think? Do you think that the Vivacia tattoo on his face has big boobies? How big is so. that tattoo, though? That's my question. The biggest Will boobies. he get di- distracted by those boobies tattooed on his face every time he looks in the mirror? <laughs> but no, really, how big is that tattoo? I mean, so, how, how big are the boobies? I thought about this a lot too. I figured like just because two inches wide by one inch tall or something. You, you know? think it's that big? I think they're smaller than that. Oh, you do? 
I thought Torg I think they're wanted, like eyeball I was, sized. I thought Torg would want to make it bigger because it's like he just hates Winter. Well, yeah, but some people have like a lot of tattoos. Where the fuck are these tattoos going if they're all huge? Like, well, no, I just I figured yeah, I was, he I was would just like thumbnail size. Makes yeah. like an okay. exception. I thought like the satrap one would be really small, like you know, like dime sized, and mm-hmm. then the other ones mm-hmm. would be bigger. But I have no idea. Hopefully, we'll get an illustrated version of this book so we know. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Big boobies. <laughs> well, winter is going to be super easy to cosplay. You just need like a green smear by your nose because that tattoo got fucked up when he jerked. And then like let your drunk frat boy friends draw like big titty Marge on your face. And like I volunteer Eli to be Wintro. <laughs> and it'll be on Thursday. <laughs> Eli chains. Wintro. Eli's Wintro. Yes. It's whoever gets drunk. No, Eli's gonna be in the first. tangle with me. <laughs> Well, I'm not doing it. I'll be Wintro. Whoever, who, el- who else is going to do the tangle, though? Like, because y'all were all I like, I can do the no. tangle. Rachel. Okay. You said that they remember. were perverse. You Now you're all trying to be up in the tangle club? <laughs> I never disliked serpents. I've always liked the serpents. I hate the serpents. I hate With them. passion. <laughs> But this is this is like how I have the Gelfling fear. Let's rub out a prophecy, and, boys. Come on. Oh yeah. <laughs> this is disgusting. I'm leaving the podcast. <laughs> I'll, miss yeah. you with that. I'll miss you. I mean, if only it were that simple, right, ladies? <sighs> right. Damn. I'm just saying, like, it, it's like uh, exposure therapy. Like, if I become the tangle, then I will no longer fear the tangle. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Immersion therapy, I think, is the... Yeah, there you go. Whatever. All right. Um, I don't really have a lot to say about this chapter, mostly because I kind of read it as fast as I could because it's... Awful. It sucks. Yeah. Horrifying. I had had one comment um, about the vivacia where she's, like, saying to Gantry, I have a bad feeling about this. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, show of hands. Who took that as foreboding versus a threat? Oh, both. I think it was both. both. Um, Star Wars okay. logic <laughs> tells me. Because, like, it's you know, because I, I know in the summer, Eli was describing it as, like, she's having this foreboding feeling. And I was like, yeah, I don't think that's a foreboding. I think she is pretty much like, I'm fucking done with all of you. And this this ship is not reaching its destination, guys. <laughs> Gantry, you've been good to me. Get off. <laughs> I feel like she, take that fiddler she, with you because yeah. he's nice too. I feel too. like and, she's at this place wild. now where she is acknowledging the way that she feels and like she's upset, but like maybe isn't a hundred percent okay with it. But she's like definitely mm-hmm. going more and more in that direction to where like she's on the brink and there's not really anything that they can mm. do at this point to like bring her back from that. And so she's like, "Hey, I'm losing control of myself. Like, you need to just go ahead and save yourself because mm. I can't make any promises." Okay. Yeah. I, can see I that. mean, she does say that without Wintro, she can't really, like, she's, like, losing herself, her sense of self. Does that mean that she's splintering or, like... Nice wood pun. I mean, what does that so, mean? The yeah. only thing that I would say counter to this is that, well, maybe not counter, it could be parallel to this, is that when Wintro wanted to go 
onto land and escape Vivesha, she said, uh, I think that if you go to Jamalia City, uh, something bad's going to happen. And I'll call this a premonition. So I don't know mm. that she necessarily has like any sort of premonition type talent, but it's, you know, it's like everything else. It's sort of like a little bit too convenient. All of the little charm shit and all of, you know, it's all, it's mm. everything in these books is a little bit too much prophecy to yeah. just ignore. So, like, maybe Wizardwood, when it's um, animated, does have some sort of, like, seeing maybe. that it does. You know? Maybe. What happens if you smoke it? Let's smoke it. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I'm into it. It'll be like a spice trip. We know how I feel about those. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> she doesn't need all her fingers. Just take one. Well, she's already eaten one, so extra. she can yeah. use an actual finger. Yeah. That's why I can't trim a lock of her hair. Shit. It'll make her tits look better anyway. <laughs> that one is like coyly covering revenge. that one nipple, you know. Take that one. I loved Inyetta's email when they were like, Where did the tears come from? <laughs> they come from the heart. Um. <laughs> Surely she has been rained on. Like it doesn't have to be nasty harbor water. She's I'm, been rained it's on. 100% She's a rain lady. Nasty harbor water. Come on, let's be real. Nasty serpent harbor water. If the finger yeah. goes to the poop duck, where does the water come from? <laughs> <laughs> the most fragile part of the boat. The it's feelings. <laughs> wow. Well, okay. So I don't know how much you guys actually know about sh- uh, sailing ships, but. My senior thesis in college involved like uh, this. You can't see it. I'm making like a one inch sign with my hand, like this much um, information about uh, late uh, eight, uh, late 17th century sailing ships. But basically, they always carried water um, at in some part of the ship. It was just a question of how much to. Uh, keep them in the water at the right level. So if they were not loaded with cargo, they needed more water in order to um, not ride too high in the water. And so that's called the bilge. Is that the bilge? Unless they're slave so, yeah, ship and you, you can get like... really cheap slaves that are cheaper than water, apparently. <laughs> they're full of water, Eli. Yeah, but I'm just saying, you know, that like the sh- a ship always has some level of water in it unless it's on a dry dock. Yeah. So you just the tears come from I'm just, the bilge. Like I'm just talking about the basic uh, ship anatomy. I'm just talking about the ballast that they were talking about at some point in this section. That's just like a, literally yeah. the humans were so cheap that they used them as ballast. Oh, oh yeah, good call. That's yeah, and that's Skip. fucking horrible yeah. and disgusting. Let's move on to chapter yeah. 29. Oh, is yeah. this one mine? Yep. Okay, you guys, I'm, I, I, hope I'm not, I hope I'm sober enough to read. All right. Chapter 29, Dreams and Realities. We open with Malta being confronted about the missing dream box by her mother and grandmother. Malta is asked whether she knew anything and lies and obfuscates. Oh, how could it disappear? I mean, maybe it just disappeared. Isn't it rain wild magic? I mean, who knows what it, what happens? Um, her mother and grandmother discuss how to handle the situation with the Kupru family 
Uh, it's made clear they are extremely wealthy, and the box was a definitely a courting gift, and uh, it's a suitor that they do not want to entertain um, because they don't want to send Malta up the rain wilds. Uh, also, she's 12. Like, let's just, let's yeah. just can't emphasize that <laughs> enough. Malta. Maybe 13. 13. Yeah. Yeah. It, has yes. she turned 13? It's okay. winter. It's winter. Yeah. We've decided. She has for our barely turned 13. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Kefria, uh, runs off to write her bewildered letter to the Kupru family, which she's trying to send with a ship going up the river like that day. So she's like, gotta, gotta do it now. And Ronica takes, um, the opportunity to ask Malta one more time if she took the box. And she's like, I'm not going to be mad about your lie before if you'll come clean now, but like... You took that box, didn't you, you little bitch? And Malta just <laughs> kind of goes with the martyred, like, how can you believe such terrible things of me, grandmother? Um, Ronica tries to explain the severity of Malta's actions in accepting the courting gift. Um, Malta's just like, I can't wait for daddy to come home and fix this. <laughs> also, um, why don't we trade up the river and be rich again? Like Devad says, and like every other trader family does. Duh. Um, and so basically she reveals that she has been eavesdropping at doors and, um, tells her grandmother, but that's basically what you told me to do in order to be a woman of the house. I needed to understand such things. And so Veronica is like reluctantly admitting that, okay, you actually have a deeper understanding than we gave you credit for. Why couldn't you have let us know this so that we could treat you accordingly because you know apparently the only way you treat a child with respect is when they earn it um because that's great parenting uh <laughs> so, so malta accuses ronica of not seeing kyle as a member of the family ronica says that if if that's the case it's kyle's fault for not wanting to understand their ways and join their family um and that malta quote has chalcedian salt water in her veins not being town blood Wow. Basically, like, yeah. Uh, And basically runs from the room, and Malta is sort of left thinking, like, well, shit. I think I just won because uh, I stood up to grandma and she couldn't handle it. Um, And is also, like, unable to handle um, that insult or the sort of sense that her family is rejecting her. And so she starts justifying all of her behavior and. You know, how Veronica accused her without ever thinking she might be innocent. And Malta was right to, like, just double down and lie because she might as well be a liar as well as a thief if they're going to think she's a liar anyway. And um, proceeds to be super horrible to to Raish, who is just trying to, like, offer her some actual compassion in this situation. Um, Insults her and throws her porridge on the floor like, you know, the fucking adult (laughs) that she is. Who clearly is ready to be a wife and a chatelaine of a household. Clearly. Um, so then we, uh, go to Amber, uh, who was talking to Paragon and basically says, Hey, we need to talk. Um, this might upset you, but I feel like you need this information. Um, so she tells him about all of the offers that are being made to buy him from the new traders, like how high the money's gone and what the implications are that they're basically looking to sail him up the river and the Ludlucks have gone from we won't sell him at all to, well, we won't sell him to somebody that's going to sail him. Um, so Amber tells Paragon that she actually put in a bid on him with the absolute promise that she's not going to use him as a ship. She's going to use him as a home and a workshop and keep him right where he is and never sail him. 
Paragon is not thrilled with that. He's pretty insulted and he thinks she's tricking him, like painting this beautiful fantasy of like a life together. He's like, she's going to leave me. She made that clear that she's only here for a little while. And, you know, he tells her, well, I'm a ship and I'm meant to sail and I'll only sail with my family and uh, this and that. So it's sort of, you know, they have a fight about it, but Amber refuses to withdraw her bid for him. Uh, We then go to visit Kennet. His leg is, as we all knew, necrotic and gangrenous. It is, um, it clearly needs to be severed higher up and probably like cauterized so that it might have a chance of healing cleanly, but he's just refusing to admit that. Um, Sorkor gives him good news from the town they docked in. The, the, their ship is ready to go. The other ship's already under repairs. The slaves are settling in great. Everyone loves the fucking play about Kenneth, the hero. (laughs) (laughs) Sorkor, the unlikely voice of reason, is like, hey, Kenneth, radical idea here. Let's lay off with the slaving and, you know, or the slave rescuing and the live ship chasing. Let's just go back to some good old-fashioned piracy. Let's, like, fucking steal some gold and some silk and some brandy, make some money, have some good times. And um, so Kenneth is like, but no, we have this, like, brilliant trap, like, right here, laid out. There's one more live ship coming and, and and then he realizes that Sorkor is just, like, not having it. And so he goes with the emotional appeal, like, Sorkor, this might be my last chance. <laughs> Promise me, friend, only you, only you, Sorkor, can make my dream come true. And, you know, Sorkor, because he's not a fucking asshole, actually is like, oh, my God, you're right. You might be dying, friend. I'll make your dream come true, Kenneth. I'll do this for you. And uh, so he leaves the room. And the little, like, wise and wood face is like, how the fuck? Do you have these people's loyalty? You don't deserve them. You're an asshole. How? And all Kitty can do is agree. Because truth. Because truth. And that's the scene. I just like that Kenneth's always like, oh, they're being nice to me. I better kill them. I know. <laughs> like, it's always his these solution. He's friends. like, hmm, this is getting suspicious. Against all odds. <laughs> But I think it's also on Kenneth's point of view, like maybe it, he doesn't keep people around because like he could start to feel things for them, maybe. Kenneth, and he uh, can't do that. He doesn't want to. Yeah. No way. Yeah. He can't have friends. He can't have, you know, a, you know, people that, that know him more than someone else on the street might know him. Right. right. That's vulnerable. Instead, he just turns himself into like a make a wish kid. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's manipulation. He, he's willing to do that kind of shit if, to get what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, re- I think that Amber's dream of, like, Treehouse Paragon is kind of really sweet. I love it. Cute. I think it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I think it would be very healing for both of them. <laughs> Paragon hates it. Well, he liked it for a while. <laughs> Does he? And he thought it was nice. And then he was like, oh, wait. I mean... Yeah, I kind, of, I kind of feel like the parallel being drawn, like, in this chapter between Paragon and Kennet is pretty clear, where, like, they both have this absolute fear of attachment and letting anyone in and actually trusting yeah. someone. And, you know, Amber's, like, basically offering Paragon the safety of her ownership and the life that she would create for them. And she 
you know, cares about him and would want to make it as comfortable for him as possible. And he's just like completely rejecting it. And maybe there's some truth to the whole I'm a ship I was meant to sail thing. But like, dude, you haven't fucking sailed in 50 years. Like, get over it. Do what you can, you know. I don't know. I don't know. I I get that not settling. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. But I, also, like, you can keep the dream alive. Maybe she'll, you know, change your mind. You can work on her over the years together. But, like... Do you want to be miserable and alone, uh, or do you want to have, like, a companion? I mean, does Paragon want to be a houseboat? Is that, like, his... <laughs> <laughs> is that his... That's his fate, you know? That seems... I don't know. Limiting. I mean, he's not yeah, sailing now, so, like, is it that much different? No, but he's... He's miserable. He's, like, in a pause. I feel like him becoming a houseboat would be... Worse. A play, yeah. That would be uh, that would be an ending. That would be a, a role. Versus right now, he's just waiting for something to happen to him, and I think mm. that helps with his own like how he thinks of himself. Like, yeah, it's been thirty years, but it's not, anything could happen, right? I ain't dead. But yet. does he True. want something to happen? Like he, I don't. I don't think he knows because he doesn't remember he everything he that happened. He murdered happens. everybody, so like certainly he doesn't want to go down that path again. And would he want to sail without a member of his family? Sounds like he would want to sail. Period. Well, he can't see where he's going, <laughs> but he could try. True. Okay. I just think that if you're going to create something for a purpose and then you repurpose it as something else, I think there is a poet, like a poetry in that. But in terms of like, like what you said with the, the, the charm having like an intent, like it was made with yeah. an intent. Mm. Paragon was also made with an intent. So it, and the intent was not to be a house. Sure. So. This is my argument. In terms of- I'm just like from what he has said yeah. himself before, though I'm just not convinced that he does want to sail. Well, we also have like the vivacious stuff where she's losing her sense of self when Wintro is not on board. So Paragon hasn't had a member of his family aboard for quite some time. So yeah. imagine what he's feeling. True. Mm-hmm. So okay. he might think that. And, and Amber is offering to be his family, right? In a kind of a, a sweet way, but we but don't know he if might that think actually that that you know sailing again is what he needs to be doing, even if it was traumatic. Yeah, I mean, I get he's probably bored as fuck. From personal experience, I would <laughs> yeah. much rather be sailing alone than chained to a beach. Well, for sure. It's gonna be a Nobody well, wants speaking to be of what would captive. you do? Would you got? Would you? Would you also use the dream box and be like, "Fuck it, I'm doing it." Yeah, probably. Oh, I'm not much <laughs> yeah. of a rule breaker. <laughs> dream box. I would do it if I was in a house where no one believed me and everyone was trying to control yeah. me, and I got and I was losing my fortune and losing all of, like everything that they said I was going to be was going away. And someone mysteriously gave me a, a beautiful, expensive dream box. Like, I'd fucking use that shit in a heartbeat. 
Fuck it. Adventure. If I was lonely. It's funny because I just had this yeah. conversation with my sister this weekend, how we were very different when we were little and we were talking about our attachment to things. And Alexis is the kind of person who, like, if you give her a gift, I gave, she brought it up. I gave her a gift like two years ago and she's like, I still haven't even used it. And I'm like, why not? I got it for you so that you could use it. And she's like, it's just what? special and I don't want to use it. I'm just going to hold on to it forever. Whereas I'm the kind of person, like, as soon as I buy something or give a gift, I rip it open and I'm like, I'm using it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be practical. Yeah. What's the but point if I otherwise? was, I could say, like, I'm typically not a rule breaker. So if an adult said, like, don't do that, I wouldn't. But if I was so overwhelmingly lonely and I thought that I would have a chance of yeah. not being lonely, mm-hmm. then yeah, I probably would. Yeah. So, um, you guys have convinced me on Paragon that like he he doesn't need to settle. Like his his soul calls for something else. He needs to be on yeah. the sea. With a with, with Malta, the um the only point that I wanted to make that I didn't make earlier when she came up the first time is that what makes her a threat to like the to Veronica is that Malta has an aggressive personality. Like, and I don't mean um. Like, that she's necessarily personally aggressive, but she has the personality where she goes after what right. she wants. Like, she doesn't just fucking sit around and, like, wait for things to happen. So this is maybe a contrast between Malta and Paragon, where he's just kind of, right. like, waiting around for something to happen to him. And Malta's like, no, I'm going to make things happen because I am not going to be victimized by fate. I'm not going to be left just sitting here waiting for things to happen to me. Um, and so it, it kind of makes her, like, from a reader perspective... It makes her a difficult character because we, like, as an adult reader, you can see, like, the fucking terrible implications of the choices that she's making that she doesn't understand. And, like, if you have any sympathy with, you know, the plight of the Vestrit family overall, you're like, oh, God, no, don't make it worse, you know. But, like, specifically, like, the, the dynamic between her and Ronica is that, you know, Malta is going after what she wants. And so she's kind of be like, that makes her a wild card and it makes her someone that Ronica can't just like move around like a pawn the way Kefria does or, you know, whatever. She mm-hmm. doesn't do what she's told. So that makes her a threat to Ronica's like attempt to control everything and like play for the best outcome. What I think, I totally what I agree think with is you. most but... interesting about Malta is that this whole. Um, I don't know, paradigm with Kyle is that the women are to be controlled and told what to do. Yeah. And she is exactly the opposite of that, but she's benefiting from Kyle's, you know, desire to please his daughter. And he's, she's just sort of falling into that. But like the entire paradigm of this, you know, what she's benefiting from is that the women are, they don't do anything. They just sit there and they. Well, because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Kyle doesn't want to please her. He wants to do what pleases him in regards to her. Like he's not asking his daughter what she wants to be. He's just, he's he's just allowing her to become what he wants. He's giving in to her, which is interesting since he condemned Efren for doing that with Althea. But Althea wasn't doing... If Althea had been being the type of woman that was allowable, I think it would have been a different indulgence. Well, yeah, but I think at the same time, like, he's... 
not paying attention to what Malta actually needs and he's the things that he's letting her do, he's not really thinking of the consequences, which is Right. Whereas Efren was like, Oh, Althea really wants to do this. Like he, he gave into her because it's what she wanted. Well yeah, but like it's still he didn't think of the implications of what she was the fact that no, it was going yeah. to like, you know, ruin her for like society. But Kyle's the same way. It's like, okay, well, what happens if you lose your business and you never come home? Like, what happens to your to your wife and daughter who can't take care of themselves? He doesn't think about that either. Nope. Or what happens to your 12-year-old daughter if you sanction her going to the Harvest Ball in an adult dress? Exactly. Eli, I think you were going to make an interesting point. Please carry so on. My, my point is that because she is within the societal norms for Kyle, she is, you know, she's being encouraged to do what she, whatever she wants. But it is, ultimately, it's the path it takes her is to be controlled by him. Ultimately. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's like, if you're not within the societal norms, like Althea, you, you, you get denied everything. Because it's not taking her her into the path of being controlled, but it's I just find it very interesting because Malta absolutely does not have the personality to be controlled in any <laughs> way. It's just she's just following yeah. that path. It just happens to be what is the norm. Yeah, she's very much like Althea, like in that regard. She does what she wants. Mm-hmm. So do we um, do we feel like she is a suitable match for Mister Rainwild? Or <laughs> I think if is, he's looking to like tame a wild horse, better? then weirdly, yeah, kind of, <laughs> kind of, yeah. They both have a fondness for flame jewels. As a reader of like fantasy, like I get like looking at characters and saying, oh, you're making the poor decisions, but also I want them to be disasters. Like, I want them to do whatever means more adventure, moving, right. you know, <laughs> putting themselves in a new place because that's more interesting to read. So, yeah, like, sure, let's go on dates with this this voice man. Like, <laughs> you know, this creepy guy who talks to you through a box and <laughs> it's a little patronizing, but, like, let's go. Let's do this. It's more interesting than arguing with Ronica. <laughs> Lizard boy who Fair. takes your wine and it's a gift that means you are destined to be married. Let's do it. We are betrothed now. It. Our spit has mingled. Do we need do we need to do the uh the chapter twenty summary so we can talk about all this in chapter twenty? Yes, please. Or I mean, yeah, thirty, 30. I'm sorry. So chapter thirty yeah. is called Defiance and Alliance, which I thought was a nice rhyme. Um <laughs> we start out with Vivacia who as one would expect, is not a happy little slaver ship. Uh, she's miserable already. She talks about the first death being a man who threw himself off the ladder up to the deck, causing the serpents to stir and eat eat him, and no one will believe her about the serpents. She's really, like, not having it. Um, she describes how all of the slaves are packed into her hull like fish in a barrel, and how, how the crew are not comfortable, except for Torg, because apparently this is Torg's paradise. No one is surprised. Um, on top of all of, of that, <laughs> you know, he's like, look how superior I am. It's like, yeah, no, no, it's terrible. 
Um, so on top of all that, Winter was locked up in the chain locker and is vibrating misery to add to her own. Uh, she's very conflicted about having Winter back aboard because she knows the moment he was back, she renewed her bond with him and it gave her more of a sense of self, as we talked about. And she's worried that she's basically a parasite to him and giving and taking more than she gives. And so she demands that Mild get Kyle to bring Winter to her <laughs> so she can ask him about it. Mild is really not happy to be doing that, but she, she uses the correct tone of voice to get him to move. Um, so Kyle comes storming across the deck to know... To demanding to know what she wants, and she reminds him that he's been told that she wants Wintero, but Kyle's not not having it, and he's like, "I want to wait till we're underway, so we can't jump ship." And she tells him now, but Kyle doesn't really follow her orders. So after waiting a little while, she realizes he's not going to do it, and so she's feeling a bit vengeful. So she shifts her weight, causing a list on the starboard side, and is already planning to develop a port list when Kyle and Gantry realize this and shift. The "Quote unquote cargo," to correct the the first list. So she's basically just lying in wait now, ready to like destroy them. Which fair. Um, so back in Big Town, Kefria and Ronica are preparing to meet with the Festers, who have called for this unscheduled visit. Um, except when Calwin Fester shows up, she's also got. Uh, how did we decide we were pronouncing this, Johnny? Hi, Johnny. Johnny Cooperus. Cooperus. Yeah, Johnny. Um, of the, the Flame Jewels fame, and she's with her. Um, and so once they get through their courtesies and small talk, they get down to business, which is basically the business of a marriage contract, because Malta has basically opened Pandora's box with the dream box by dreaming her her little dream, which, with uh, as it turns out, uh, was Rain Cooperus, who is the almost 20-year-old son of Johnny, and now they're basically engaged. So last trilogy, we had marriage, sex, and now we have engagement dreams. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So it turns out that Calvin has even signed over their contract with Vivacia to the Cooper's family, and so they're basically going... And they were basically going to absolve their debt as a marriage gift, which could be really useful, and I'll consider that for a minute. Um, <laughs> but then she's like, oh, wait, no. And so she's suddenly, like, spurred into action, and she's trying to explain that her granddaughter is an idiot, spoiled child who basically just likes pretty things and causing trouble and has zero idea of what she's doing and definitely is not ready for marriage. And... <laughs> and he's 13. Please repeat that she's, she's 13. 13. And Johnny's like, oh, um, I guess he didn't realize that, and that's bad, but anyway, we're gonna do this anyway. <laughs> we're gonna do this just because I say so, and Calvin is like, um, okay, I gotta fix this situation. So she negotiates terms they can all agree on, and basically, Ronica will hand over the latest payment now, and then Rain will be allowed to present himself to Malta to see if they hit it off. Which I'm sure will go great. Can't wait. Nothing sexier than a chaperone. <laughs> yeah, alright, right. Heavily chaperoned visits. And not and not being allowed to bring sparkly right. things yeah. that might turn a young <laughs> yes. girl's head. Nothing sexier than a thirteen-year-old girl. It's just a seven-year age difference. I'm questionable. Well, we don't know how old. I he feel is. questionable. <laughs> I feel it. I mean, it's like okay, if if we hadn't had the description of Malta like three months ago, where she was basically still flat chested and looking like a boy, I might not feel so bad about it because like I had a B cup by the time I was thirteen, 
So, and like my, my brother's older, my older brother's friends who were older than him were definitely trying to hit on me. And it was like practice at a, you know, nice, nice ripe age of 13 uh, to be able to, to be like, <laughs> Hey, you're 18. I'm 13. That's called statutory rape, <laughs> asshole. Go away. Yeah, it's practice. Emphasis it's, you know, on practice. It's, it's like a, a emphasis on practice, not yeah. getting married. Hey, remember those books we read? <laughs> um, um, but yeah, but like, like I guess yeah. to the the point though that like, if 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 she had been described as like actually looking like a woman and like budding early and like all of that, you know whatever like maybe he's to be forgiven for like not recognizing yeah. it not knowing it yeah but yeah but instead but again, like she's 13 he's like cool she was in her fancy she was described as robes. like being a kind of young 13 like looking like a child 13 well yeah. we're also getting that description from like veronica and kefria who clearly see her as a child but yeah mm-hmm. i mean she is a child Anyway, Rain from the Rain Wilds, Mr. Rain Rain. Cool name, bro. Yes. But it's spelled differently, <laughs> so it's cooler. It's R-E-Y-N. Yeah. But, R-E-Y-N. Like, isn't it, isn't it sweet that, like, he hasn't wanted anybody else? So this is, like, his first crush, too. He's, like, the, the sweet, like, homeschooled kid. <laughs> That you know doesn't really quite know any better because he hasn't been properly socialized either. True, is it? I mean, that just reminds me <laughs> of me like <laughs> your first relationships that did, just didn't work out because you didn't have any clue what you're doing. But it's fine; they're going to yes, get married. What yeah. if you were? What if you were bound together irrevocably <laughs> instead by a dream box and the live <laughs> by ship. a box? Reverse Gom Jabbar. Um, I honestly think that the more compelling part is the fact that, like, hey, all this debt that you're real upset about could go away. <laughs> just have to like, sell your mm-hmm. child. It's fine. It's I know. It's not yeah. slavery. It's just Malta. It's but it's, it's like... Malta. I actually give them a lot of credit that they don't want to do that, even though Malta's a fucking pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, though, because, like, if they're going to have to end up giving up one of their children for the blood oath anyways, then it's like. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley's real pragmatic. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you might as well get, you might as well get married so you get. Yeah, I mean, like, like yeah. worst yeah. case, you give her up for a month's payment. Best case, you give her up for the full payment. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And you get some money. Exactly. Get, yeah, yeah. And slavery, do it. Like I just right. can't wait to find out, like, when Malta actually sees this kid in person in the flesh. Like, <laughs> what's mm. gonna go down? Is she gonna be? Like, is he gonna no, be super hot? Is, is he gonna be like the dream? Is he gonna be? Yeah. Well, you know, his his mom doesn't have as many, you know, like wobbly bits yeah. on her face well and he's waddles. young I think we call so i would assume that those kind of come with age as well so Almost so are 20. they were they implying that they have not been being uh rain wild traders for very long is that what the implication is why they're not yeah. uh i think i think that they were just talking about how because they get new blood every once in a while that not all of some of them are from Bingtown. town so some them. of them are not gross 
No, right. no, no. They're gross. Some of them are not as gross. <laughs> well, okay. it seems like the Cooper yeah. family is probably one of the less gross ones, and also maybe one of the healthier. Are they ones, rich because they're not gross? Like... Are they, or is it some? Or is it other? Well, they have. They have. Flame I mean, she had five surviving children, which is like yeah, this apparently like unheard, unheard of. of, like sized family for the Rainwilds, which means they probably have a higher percentage of fresh blood <laughs> in their. Um, in their recent pedigree, which means they probably have like less likelihood of all. The I love the idea things. of a stipend because they're wealthy, you so they probably just like go to the dermatologist and get a lot of that stuff removed. Yeah, mm. yeah. laser laser off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's why they want Malta. They got a good look at her, and they were like, "Yeah, look, it's not a waddle on her, not even a mole." <laughs> Take her. We need it. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty pumped to see how this relationship goes. Yes, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I was I was kind of curious about that too. Like, what's actually going to happen? Is Malta going to like snow this kid? Would Malta actually like not be horrible and shitty to somebody who actually gives a shit about her and like wants to know how her day went? Like, maybe maybe he's right. Like, what if they would deal well together? Because like he would actually care about her and like dote on her. Like, what would she? do I with really that? envision I this know. going down like Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I envision it going down like Beauty and the Beast and she's going (laughs) to go and everybody's like, poor Malta, she's been taken away to the Rainwilds. And she's like, actually, it's awesome here. My food talks to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's one banana that talks, Michael. 100%. Yeah, the food talks in the Rainwilds. That's why it's so expensive. (laughs) (laughs) i mean um so my new readers we have reached almost the end of this book we have six chapters left so the next chapter the next section is going to be all six (laughs) of those chapters how are you feeling about this being the end of a a story arc Uh, this is so clearly the first yeah i know like there's no way this much story wraps up but that's how i felt about in the first trilogy i felt like all of the books were always like slow slow and i so it's not surprising to me that that's how this book could be but I don't know. I just I kind of dislike how she packs a lot into the end. So I'm interested to so see. So what do we think we is going to happen in these last six chapters? Because I feel like oh yeah, have, yeah, we have to have we... Kenneth like go after the Vivacia. Like we have to. Ha- They've been setting it up mm-hmm. the entire book. Yeah, but we only have five fucking mm-hmm. chapters to cover it in. Six. Like that's oh, bananas. Yeah, but in Assassin's Apprentice <laughs> or. Uh, royal assassin yeah, or whatever like I, this is the point where we get like kerosene fits right <laughs> <laughs> do not feed your live ship kerosene under any circumstance don't give it send in i dropped the beach my phone some time off. ago but does anybody can anybody look to see how many pages are in the last five chapters 
<laughs> I have. I can tell you percentage. I don't want to know percentage. I want to know the number of pages. Wait, 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 wait. Let me pull up the audiobook and tell me you tell you how many hours. I'm just gonna bend over and get my phone. Let me bend over and get my audiobook we, 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 okay. right now. We can do this. We can do this any number of ways. Okay, so I'm on page 760 of 881. Um, it's 84% on my Kindle, uh, but I Here, don't I'm just looking. Know. Chapter 20. Um, I'm pretty sure Kindle yeah. pages are more Sorry, than chapter th- printed. Yeah, but 31 I don't know starts on 779, and the dedications, and dedication starts on 880. So it's like 100 pages. All right. So that's, yeah, so that's not a lot of pages. Chapter 1 is an hour. Chapter or sorry, chapter thirty-one <laughs> is an hour. Chapter thirty-two is forty-three minutes. Chapter thirty-three is forty Elabs. minutes. No, this isn't helpful. Chapter thirty-four is <laughs> twenty-seven minutes. Real short. <laughs> chapter thirty-five mm. is fifty-three minutes. Chapter thirty-six is a whopping six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I call chapter thirty-six. That's an epilogue, yeah, not a chapter. Exactly. I call chapter 36. So like a hundred pages is not a lot of coverage. I don't know. I'm just, I'm not seeing how, I don't know. I want Brashen to go back to these pirate isles and we find out that he has like a bunch of ladies there. Oh yeah. (laughs) You know he does. Straight hustling in those pirate isles. Is Malta going to meet Rain in the last six chapters? God, I hope so. I don't want to have to wait that long. Um, what's gonna happen to Kyle? Will Amber get Paragon? I don't think Althea will get home to Bingtown. I don't know if she's got, gonna make it home to Bingtown. Two period. more books. We've got a lot of time. Althea can't get home to Bingtown before Malta marries Rain. Yeah, like that's like that's just that can't happen because otherwise the family would try right. and swap her. Totally out. agree. And we, it's clearly set up that Malta's yeah. going to be the one to and go. And we can't forget the, the fact that in the previous trilogy, Fitz was the point of view. And now we have, like, multiple point of views, so it's way yeah. slowed down. Not I think that it's not exciting, but, like, we, we can't wrap everything up in six chapters. Five and a tenth of a chapter. Yeah. I think Paragon's... Let's just call it five. Like, take that 27 minutes and the six minutes, and it's still a fucking short 33-minute chapter. But even if we're not going to... We're not going to, like, wrap things up, but I feel like... I mean, stuff has to happen to set up for the next book. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So my prediction is that we definitely see the capture of the Vivacia by Kenneth. Um, I don't know if we see any other significant action or resolution besides that. I think Paragon is going to be bought by the end of this book. <laughs> by who? Not sure. But definitely somebody who's going to Salem. Kenneth's charm is important. Those are the two important people. <laughs> Everybody else can f- fuck off. You're not important. Wow. Gosh. Every episode prompts, this be my crew, character introductions and exits. <laughs> nobody knew. So we're good. And nobody died. Well, so that one slave died. Yeah. Oh. Slaves don't matter. No. Uh, X marks the spot. Where the heck are we? All right. Big town. Big town. Coming down from the rain wilds. 
Jamelia <laughs> what a tangle. What are the serpents doing? They're, yeah, creeping out. Leaving us Eat. the I said Vivacia hates the serpents and it's hashtag relatable. They're hanging out in the <laughs> shit. <laughs> why does no one think that the serpents are real? Like, why are they all idiots? Because they can't see them. It's like, They're you know? under the ground. They're under the ground. I hope the <laughs> serpents are all with we swallow Kyle. <laughs> Can the one that ate Kenneth's leg go and eat Kyle? <laughs> it's got a taste for him now. It's like Captain Hook. It's coming. Got a taste for <laughs> villains with K- names that start with K. He likes captains and K's. <laughs> like, I have a specific type. What's your name? I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but Kyle's going to get his cut Muppets. And I don't even know if it's going to be sweet by the time it happens. Like, I'm just... I'll enjoy it. You... Maybe. Well, we didn't even talk about this, but, like, like Kyle was... Like, the whole section where Vivacia was like, and finally, I understood Kyle, and he was fucking jealous that I could not be his. I didn't want him. And that's what he was so butthurt about this whole time. That's why he wanted Althea off the ship, and why he hates his son. Like, wow. Like, so Kyle had a big hard on for Vivacious big titties and couldn't deal with, like, her having other relationships. It's like he's already to the point where he's too sad that if he died right now, like, I would just be like, eh. Okay. Eh. <laughs> I guess. Well, okay, I need, I need, like, Althea and, like, Vivacia and, you know, hopefully a slightly less despondent Wintero to witness his destruction. So that they can feel joy and I can feel Well, you know what Vivacia doesn't want? She doesn't want Kyle inside her mind, for sure. Uh, uh, the ship's yeah. talk. What did we learn about live ships in this section? They don't like, they don't like serpents. And they, they lose their they sense of very self moody. when their family members They don't like sleep. Kyle at all. No. <laughs> and they don't like Kyle. I wonder what Paragon would think of Kyle. Best Prone friends. to hissy fits. <laughs> I think Paragon would be terrified of Kyle. Kyle would remind him of his abusers. I agree. Would Paragon tell Kyle to, like, kill himself as a solution to his problems? How come no one's given uh, Vivacia any gifts? They did give her a gift. They love you. (laughs) He's a centaur. (laughs) She took that gift for herself. And she ate that Do you think that Paragon walks around... earring or whatever. Walks. Do you think that Paragon lists around with, like, half of his necklace in his mouth? You know? Like... (laughs) <laughs> like those totally like you it's, know, it's just it's stuff. a how do you not put your jewelry in your mouth when you're like bored all the time yeah he's totally putting it in his mouth um the, the, is this the patriarchy <laughs> misogyny capitalism slavery and fashions from jamalia still no buttons so sorry jenny um i just want you to know when i <laughs> i go to work now i have to pass the giant button in <laughs> Times square area and i'm like am i in jamalia now yeah, in the garment district <laughs> with all the buttons. It's great. Buttons. I think we talked a lot about how Kyle and Malta work, so I'm I'm gonna move on from the patriarchy comment. So again, yeah. reminder: next reading section, chapters 31 through 36, will be our last section for Ship of Magic. There are no content warnings for that section. Yay! Uh, my name is Rachel, 
you can find me at Darth Rachel on Twitter, Darth underscore Rachel on Instagram, and you can email us at buckkeepradio at gmail.com. My name is Alyssa. You can find me at alyssamainer.com. I'm Jenny. You can find me at Spray on Instagram. I'm Eli, and you can find me at Chewy Bread Cosplay on Instagram. I'm Elena. You can find me at Moff Elena on the things. And I'm Ashley, and you can find me at Ladybird Parker. All right, next up is spoiler section. Thanks, guys. All right, bye. It's stupid, but I just liked the part where uh, Amber was just, like, talking about something, and there was that line where she goes, and the the wars in the north, and it was like, dot, 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 and I just yep. thought that was a nice clue. I like the part where Amber's like, I don't like it when people yell at me, I never yell, and then they spent, and then there's like a paragraph describing her hair. <laughs> I'm like, no one is taking these clues. <laughs> Anyway, that was Take all I wanted quiz. to say. I just liked the dot dot okay. dot because I was like, what's she thinking about? Hmm, I wonder. <laughs> we know what. I know. We know. We know who. Alright. Same. Same, Amber, same. Enjoy the rest of your spoiler section. <laughs> I have nothing to say, so I hope Alyssa's is full. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Alone Some again. of their predictions are good. Yeah, I was taking notes this time. Yeah? Yes. What did your notes say? Because I took none. Okay. Well, really, really early on, Eli kept reiterating about Paragon acting like a child, and he was almost there. Almost, yeah. But didn't quite make it. I mean, that's going to be really out of left field. No one's going to be like, oh, you're two dragons? That makes sense. Right. And, but, like, um, Kenneth's business. I mean, they're starting to connect Paragon and Kenneth together as... At least parallel characters. Right, that's so that's cool. cool. Yeah. Next note. Next note. Um, they're a mess. <laughs> <laughs> it's also, it's interesting, like, about Wintro versus his view on slavery versus his view on himself when, like, earlier he's disgusted when or appalled when someone tells him that like oh slaves aren't people and if saw existed then he wouldn't allow slavery to happen and then Mm -hmm. now he's like a slave but holds himself as separate because he can't be a slave and then later when saw adar calls them slaves after they've been free wintro goes all the way out of his way to correct him and be like i thought there were no slaves on this ship so it's like where are you what do you... Fucking Sadar. That guy sucks. Oh my god, I'm excited for him to get wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's such a good scene where it's just like, just drown, and then he like, won't drown, and he's like, god damn it, you're making me row harder, <laughs> and oh, it's so good, because he's just like, disdainfully kills him. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, an actual chore. <laughs> I hope I'm that much trouble if I get murdered. <laughs>
Uh, I mean, he, like, never worried that he was not going to kill him. He was just like, why are you being so difficult? Just die already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that, I think that that's Wintro, that, I mean, every, every single one of these characters holds, like, a, hip, a Hippocratic, like, or a hypocritical, not Hippocratic, a hypocritical <laughs> viewpoint, right, about something, about, like, like for Althea, it's like I've earned everything that I have, but like she really hasn't. Mm. And for Brashen, he's kind of saying like I don't deserve anything that I have, but he kind of does. And you know, throughout all these characters, they have that. And so like Wintro is like I'm a free agent, but like he isn't because he's already enslaved himself. He was sold, right? He was given. He didn't choose to go become a priest, but he somehow has this loyalty to that life. Right. Even though that wasn't what he wanted. And then when he's given a chance or thrust into a new life, he doesn't want it. He rejects it. And then he can't see how that's, how his life is is parallel to that of a slave. Like he serves his family. He serves the live ship. Even when he's literally the live ship slave, he kind of can't right. really figure that out. He's got to chew on it for a long time. Yeah. It definitely it contrasts him against Malta as well. It's not just yeah. Malta oh, versus yeah. Althea. They're so different. I mean, you forget that they're siblings. Oh, yeah. Because they're so different. I mean, yeah, they, they don't really interact too much, but... Wintro, how is Malta so headstrong and Wintro is not... Like, what? how were they treated growing up, you know? And I think I think a lot of that is just because Wintro was sent away. Oh, yeah. When you're boarding schooled. Yeah. He doesn't, he just doesn't have that loyalty to his family. And and not because they beat it out of him, like with Malta, where they were basically, where they told her a hundred, you know, like all the time, your family's more important than you. You're just an accessory to your family. And therefore she rejected that like loyalty. Mm. Wintra just like was ejected from it early on. Right. She's very much her father's daughter. And I wonder if it's like in part, Kyle's definitely the kind of guy to not only dote on his daughter, but also to call the police on his children to teach them a lesson. I feel like he's that kind of guy. <laughs> oh man, Kyle sucks. God, yeah. But yeah, I think I think that is fair to say that Malta is is like him because mm. she's certainly not like Kefria. Oh no! If Malta had been a boy, I'm sure that. Kyle would have been more pleased with her, more proud of her, if nothing else had changed except that perception. Malto. And I, yeah, and it's like, Malto. But you know what I mean? It's just like, it's such an illustration of how these, like, gender norms are so restrictive. Oh, yeah, it's crippling. Like, Malta is the child that he wanted, right? He keeps going to Wintro and being disappointed, and it's like, okay, well... Whether or not you love all your children equally, I, like whatever, like let's let's pretend you don't have to in this situation. <laughs> like Malta is the kid that you wanted. Like that's it. There she is. But you're rejecting her just because she's a girl, right? And that's what Efron didn't do. With exactly. Althea. And then everyone's judging Efron, but you know what? Efron had like a good relationship with his child. Kyle can't like, imagine. He, didn't, yeah. <laughs> he maybe yeah right, and it's like maybe he didn't like leave it set up perfectly at the end because people took advantage of him and of him and and established all of these rules about what society would want versus what he actually wanted and he was too sick to 
to advocate for himself and mm. for for Althea's sake. But yeah, I don't. I it's a, it's it's just like gosh, you know, that's what he wanted, and it's clearly that's what he wanted, and everyone around him just conspired to make it not happen. I don't know, Team Althea, she was robbed. Yeah, for real. (laughs) And Kyle extends it to the ship because it's like you had this perfectly good ship and now look at it, it's got anxiety. Yeah. Because of you. (laughs) But I think think that when when, uh, Vivacia says that, you know, it's like Kyle doesn't, Kyle rejects me, Kyle, Kyle doesn't like me because I reject him or whatever. I think it's more than that. It's like, the ship in his mind is an object and you're the captain and there's nothing above you, right? Like, but when you have a live ship, you know, the ship is still its own thing. You can't be the complete master of it, especially if you're not one of the family members. Mm. And he resents that. He wants to be the master. God, he's such garbage. He sucks. He gets, I think it's also funny that they're like, oh, whatever happens to him, it's going to be like kind of underwhelming. It kind of is. Yeah. He's just like, he gets left on the island and then he gets picked yeah. up. It's just like, oh, right, you. I forgot about you. I'm going to exit you from the story until it's better to bring you back. Yeah. <laughs> he got parked. He's like in storage. Yeah. And with company. <laughs> like, he's not like alone or anything. Yeah. Going crazy like Paragon. <sighs> oh, Paragon. Oh, Paragon. I'm, wa- I'm, I'm, I'm waiting and watching. I'm waiting and watching. I want to know when the revelation happens. Oh, I wanna, yeah. I want to see it. I want to see it. It's, it's starting to become like a thing where I'm trying not to very, very obviously be like, let's talk about these specific things about Amber. Yeah. <laughs> I want to make sure that, because I mean, other than the hair, I think there wasn't there was something in the last episode i forget what it was but it was like so obvious and i i even repeated it and everybody was like no i don't want to talk about that and i'm like all right cool cool let's just move on there there was a line that not about amber but about kenneth's charm that i thought was Mm -hmm. like that they would latch on to somehow and speculate about but it did not come up and i didn't want to bring it up because it felt guiding but it's at the end of chapter 29 and it says, Kenneth's charm is speaking. This piece of wood had a great heart once, the charm declared. You have put your face mm-hmm. upon me and your voice comes from my mouth. But wood remembers, I am not you and I swear I shall not become you. Do they, I don't know if they... No, no. yeah. I, I also have that highlighted, but I didn't say anything because I didn't <laughs> want to be like, let's talk about this statement. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Um, I, and I think that echoes off, it's like, it comes off, it comes on the heels of the conversation where Amber's like, well, what were you? Were you a tree? You must've been a tree. Right. A very expensive and rare tree. I think the, 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 the connection between the boats and the serpents, it becomes way more explicit in book two pretty early on. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if if Hob was like, I gotta, I gotta move this forward more, or if we just. It just seems like there is kind of a switch, and maybe it's just because of the memories are like becoming more thick layered. I don't know what the word is. Yeah, but, maybe she needs to make it like clearer for the can it reveal the Ludluck right, stuff, right. so that it's not. 
it's it's even if she didn't have the serpents, I think that it would be pretty obvious if you get a third of the way through book two. There's something to do. Something's going on between Paragon and Kenneth's storylines. I think. Yeah. <laughs> all that memory stuff. It gets exhausting, though. Yeah. I love how they're like, all this stuff's going to happen. And I'm like, oh, my God, nothing happens in book two. I know. <laughs> but then for short term, they were like, they got the obvious stuff like it's set yeah, up yeah we're gonna get we're gonna get that action scene mm-hmm. yeah yay all right cool yeah well i will talk to you next week yeah for the last a bit vast. a vast <laughs> a vast see ya bye